Please won't someone tell me I'm okay. Hi, and welcome to Tell Me I'm Okay. It's the show where we tackle all our biggest and smallest anxieties through learning. And today's fear is teeny tiny. It's bugs. Every episode, I ask an expert on something I'm afraid of to come and discuss my fears and tell me whether or not I'll be okay. And of course, as always, in addition to the expert, I'm bringing on a very fun friend who shares my fear. Today's friend is Diana Reasonover. Diana is wonderful. I met her on Adam Ruins Everything, and now you can see her on NCIS and listen to her on her wonderful podcast called Periodic Talks. Hi, Diana. Hi, Andra. You're wonderful, too. Oh, I think you're just so amazing, and I think the whole world should know that you exist. I don't know about the whole world. I mean, let's let's go. <laughs> okay, down. not the bad parts of it. There's a lot of people in the world that I'd rather just pretend I don't exist to. No, I just mean like I, that makes me so. People make me nervous a lot of time. That's why I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's a lot of people. My mom already tells a lot of people about me, and that's enough. Yeah, that is a lot. Oh, it's <laughs> nice that your mom is proud of you, though. Uh, she she's very proud, but I'm proud of my mom too. I don't know. Do you have that feeling Aww. with your parents? Yeah, that you're like, you're a good person. I really like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My parents actually do all of the music for this podcast, so. Do they? Yes. And it's extremely adorable. What? I had no idea. Wait. It's so, so are th- cute. What do they do? Well, my parents work in tech, but they're actually musicians. They were musicians in a previous life, or they still are. But like, my dad's a drummer. He's in a band. My mom's a singer and a piano player. What band? It's called Big Daddy Sunshine. Oh, that's a good name. It reminds me of like um like those swing names from the 90s, those swing yeah. band names. Yeah. And he's pretty awesome. It's really fun to watch him. He's excellent. You look you're smiling so much. <laughs> so, when you told me that you were afraid of bugs, I was like, "Oh, yeah, they're super gross. I actually have a little like vacuum that I suck them up with because I don't want to kill them, but I I hate them and they freak me out." Uh yeah. I also Okay, so I also don't want to kill them. Does the vacuum not kill them? It's very gently. I've never seen it kill one yet, although it might traumatize them significantly. It might be something that just makes me feel better. And then they die out in the wild. Shocked. Yeah, they're just like, it's it's like a tornado. And they're just like, what the fuck? And then you like deposit them on the ground. And they just like, it is gentle, though. It's gentle. It like sucks them in gently. They're very lightweight. Mm. And oh, then, yeah. then you just you close them in the little thing and you take them outside and you let them run free. So I make my wife get them um when we first got into our relationship um she was like i was like i'm i'm kind of afraid of bugs and she was like i'm afraid of bugs too and i was like okay well one of us is getting over it it's you (laughs) did you put that like in your dating profile or whatever to be like excuse me everyone just so you know like i really really don't like bugs it's you know what i you know what it's funny because i if it's a vacuum, like I can vacuum them up, but my vacuum would kill them. And I actually don't want the bugs to die. So yeah. that's why I make my wife like gently put them in a cup and take them outside. Oh, yeah. my the vacuum is like it's not like a, a floor vacuum. It's like a little tiny gun specially made to suck bugs up. Sure, sure. sure. Yeah. You know, just it's the only gun I have in the house. But I got I actually just ordered on Amazon this little like it's like a long handled uh broom almost uh that gently oh, like kind yeah. of you know what i'm talking about it, like grabs that, the bug and you just release it outside that seems like a good idea i also there's some bugs though that you can't catch in time like there's some bugs are slow spiders i can get them but mm-hmm. like flies or whatever like i can't get those i just oh, have to no. let them die all right so here's here's the thing 
flies, I got no mercy for. No. Uh, I grew I, I uh, grew up in Detroit, but my dad was from Tennessee, so we spent almost every summer in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And the flies down there are just like just a fact of life um, at the particular house that I was staying in because uh, I kept all the doors open. And I just got very good at I can whack a fly. I'm just like fly yeah. killer. No problem. I think we both have a lot to talk about with this expert because I think we would both prefer to like more bugs, but we really, really don't. Yes. I. You know what it is, really? It's bees. I want to love bees. Mm. Bees scare me. But they, I know they're so important for the environment. I'm just... But I'm like, it's also important that my skin doesn't get pierced by an insect stinger. And also when they pierce you, their butt falls off. And I have a lot of problems with that emotionally. <laughs> I, think, I think they have a lot of problems with it, too. <laughs> They probably do. I, I'm, if only I could ask them. If only I could speak to the bees. I feel like if this was bee movie, everything would be easier. Oh, I should, maybe I should, I've never seen that movie. Maybe I should watch it. It's, it's not like when, good. It's not. It's good. different when they're animated. You know, I'm like that's not mm-hmm. going to sting me. No, it's flat. It can't sting you. It's flat. <laughs> but a three dimensional bee, a chubby little bee coming in my space, it's a whole other thing. Oh yeah, no. Mm-mm. All right. Well, let's talk to the expert and find out. Okay, it's time to bring on our expert. It's Dr. Doug Yanaga, and he is the curator of a major entomological museum and an authority on insects and related arthropods. Hi, Dr. Yanaga. Hello, good to be here. Oh, it's so nice to talk to you. I'm really pleased to be here. I have the opportunity. Well, we have uh, we are we have a lot to talk to you about because Diana and I both were just talking about how we're like we want to be friends with bugs, but we are afraid of them. They're all crawly and weird. Yeah, I'm trying not to judge bugs based on my fear, (laughs) but it's very hard. Yeah, they are just, I'm not naturally inclined to want to be near them in any way. But I also know that they are extremely important to the universe. They run the whole range of things that are uh, nasty to things that are wonderful. Um, The nasty ones are pretty much a very tiny minority. So it's it's good to be armed with some information about them, if nothing else. Cool. What percentage are we talking here for the nasty ones? Like, of, no, a very it. tiny percentage, really. Less than 1% of all the insects out there. I mean, there's more wow. than, they estimate there's more than 10 million species out there, and there's only a few, a few hundred or a few thousand that are considered like pests and problems. So that's a really tiny percentage. So, like, that is a good, that brings me to a question. Like, what are the bugs that I actually, what are the 1% of bugs that I actually have justification to think like you're gross and icky and I hate you? Well, generally speaking, the ones that are pests or things that are living in our homes. I mean, look at it this way. Insects that are in your space are mm-hmm. a problem. But if like you're outdoors, then you're in their space. And that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a different thing. Um, so any insect that's in your house is fair game to be worried about and you should have control over your own space and you shouldn't necessarily have any insects living in your home if you can do anything about it. And you shouldn't necessarily be comfortable with them in that sense, but they're not really much to worry about. Most of the ones in your house aren't going to do anything nasty to you. They might eat some of your food or get into your clothing or something yeah. like that, but they're generally not going to be something that's, that's threatening or harmful. Well, and if the bug is in my clothing, at least I know it has good taste. So, I mean, I guess that works out. <laughs> it's got style. It's got grace. It's an arthropod something. I was really hoping I would rhyme that at the end, but I completely... <laughs> you did <beefed>. good. <laughs> I beefed. 
So the what you said generally the ones that are in our home are not na- are not too nasty. Are there any that come in our home that we definitely should be worried about? I'm I'm always worried about earwigs. Um, earwigs are pretty much totally harmless. They're they're vegetarians and scavengers. They'll eat dead things, and they'll yeah they will get into your home. I mean a lot of that stuff does. Um, the one there's a good way to think about this, and that is that ecologically speaking, a human house is not really very different from a cave. Mm. And the huh. insects that you find in people's homes are basically the same kind of bugs that out in nature you would find in a cave. So camel crickets, they're, they're cave dwellers, and they, they're common things that they find in people's homes. Earwigs, well, you'll find those in caves. A lot of insects that feed on mold and mildew, those <laughs> are the things that you find pretty commonly in people's houses because... That's what grows in caves. That's what grows in people's houses. You know, where you have leaky pipes, you get mold and mildew, and you get the same kind of bugs. So as far as nature is concerned, human houses are just really fancy caves. And a lot <laughs> of the things you find in them are the same kind of things. And they're not, you know, they're not going to be blood suckers for the most part. They're not going to be predators that are going to be attacking you or things that are going to sting you. The things that live in our houses are generally pretty benign. And they're just going to maybe compete with uh, you for some of your food, you know, your your bread and your flour and your sugar and stuff like that. Um, they're not they're not uh, out for blood. They're out for a meal. I don't know why the bug can't just go to the grocery store by itself and buy it with its own money. <laughs> you go to most grocery stores, you'll find bugs in there too. <laughs> they're everywhere. But they're not paying. <laughs> That's the difference. They don't even have cryptocurrency. So. <laughs> they don't have bug coin? Nope. <laughs> um, that's that's very soothing to me because I often, like, I'll see one and I'll freak out and I'll run in the other room and I'll I'll be like, oh, no, what is it? What do I? It's very big and it's very weird. Um, and well, if it's something very big in your house, then generally speaking, they shouldn't be there. I mean, most of the things you find in your home are going to be small. Roaches are probably the least pleasant and largest thing that you're likely to encounter. Leeches? Roaches. Oh, I was like, Ugh. what? <laughs> what? Oh, Roaches, no. yeah. I lived uh, briefly after college in a really gross apartment that was like the whole building had roaches and it was really, really gross. Can well, I kill gross. them with abandon? <laughs> yes, you can. Speaking as a professional entomologist, I will confirm that roaches are gross and unpleasant and <laughs> not something you want in your homes. Um, if you're out in nature and you turn over a log and there's a roach there, it's like, cool, that, you know, but that's where it belongs, is yeah. out there, not inside your house. So I don't, you know, the basic rule of thumb that I follow is I won't kill any bug if it's but where it belongs. If it belongs in that ecosystem, if it belongs in that place, I won't. I generally won't kill it. I will be very reluctant to kill it unless I'm doing it for science. I mean, that's what scientists are. That's what they do. So, yeah. <laughs> scientists are professional bug killers. I, I can't. I can't not collect an insect if it's needed mm. for research purposes. But if it's in your home, that's not where it belongs. And if it's like an invasive species, so if I if I come across a bug in the in the field while I'm out there traipsing around, and here's some invasive pest thing i will kill it with impunity but that's because i know that it's not native and it's it's a threat to the ecosystem if i i play a scientist on tv and if i ever need to kill a bug i'm just going to yell for science while i do it Um, i I have been known to say that sure (laughs) can i ask a question because i I do actually want to be friends with bugs how did you end up 
kind of, you know, appreciate it, coming to appreciate and I think love, I'm assuming love bugs. Yeah. Well, it's it's a two-step process. The first step is when I was a little kid, my parents didn't really care what I did, and so I poked around in the backyard, <laughs> turning over bricks and rocks and <laughs> doing things like that, and there were all sorts of bugs there, and I didn't know I was supposed to be afraid of them because I didn't have anybody watching over my shoulder saying, oh, my God, that, those are icky, that's horrible, get away from those. Um, I thought bugs <laughs> were cool and fascinating, and nobody disabused me of that notion. And that's usually what happens. I mean, you read the biographies of like f the few famous entomologists and stuff. They had no one who was discouraging them from being interested in bugs. And if you hmm. go around and talk to a lot of little kids, and if you go to insect fairs and stuff like that, you'll see it's actually pretty natural for kids to be interested in bugs. But that phase is usually something that's beaten out of them by the people around them who convince them that there's something wrong with thinking that bugs are cool. And it just, it's a natural instinct to be interested in them. And it has to be taken away from you as a child. Hmm. So I'm just, you know, a kid who didn't quite get the <laughs> wrong impressions from people around him. And so that was the first step, is that I thought bugs were fine and nobody ever told me otherwise. And then it was a matter of when I got to college and I got to my elective classes, I was told, you can get credit for making a bug collection. It's like, oh, my God, I can get college credit for making a bug collection? That's awesome. So did you have, like, a, t a bug collection in your tiny dorm room? Uh, yeah, I did. And, <laughs> and it was a good collection, too. And I actually, the professor from the class that I took actually took some of the specimens that I collected and said, well, we need these for the Cornell University collection. We don't have these species in our collection. And I was wow. like, really? Wow. It's like, yeah. And he says, we get new species in the collection all the time. And the little light bulb went off in my head. And it's like, oh, I can discover new things this way. That's pretty damn cool. And I've discovered, and over the course of my actual professional career, I've discovered like one new species every other week. So Wow, that's a, an incredible a, rate. It's actually low for an entomologist. Um, is that like, are you talking about new species, like a species that you've never is, encountered before, or a species that no one has ever encountered before? That no one's ever seen before. What? Where yeah, are you finding there, all these new bugs? There's, there's only, right now, there's fewer than 2 million species of insects that have been described, and there's an estimated 10 to 50 million that are in existence. There's, there's a, that's like 90% of the insects have not been discovered and described yet so it's a lot of work and there's not that many people doing that work so there's a lot of stuff that's out there that is being discovered all the time and most of those things are pretty interesting and cool wait so when you when you want to go find a new bug where do you go are you finding these all like right around southern california yeah you can find them everywhere I mean, I found them in my, in my yard in New York, in my yard when I lived in Kansas. I find them in my yard here in California. I've gone to Thailand and, you know, Brazil and all sorts of places, and you find them everywhere. It's, they don't have to be in the middle of nowhere, but that does help. <laughs> I mean, Wait, so in theory, I could make myself incredibly famous by finding a bug today in my backyard. Incredibly famous? No. <laughs> but you could, you could certainly find a bug in your yard today. And that there's lots of people who do. You can make yourself mildly interesting, Diana. Mm. Uh, the way to get famous is to name the insect after someone famous. 
And that's worked for a lot of people. Have you named an insect after you? You don't do that. That's tacky. Oh, okay. Naming an insect after yourself. (laughs) They even have a name name for it if you do that. What is it? It's called a mihi. A mihi? Yes. You don't want to commit a mihi. What if I'm semi-famous? Can I Mm. name it? Does that work then? Uh, The the way, if you really want something named after you, the best way to do it is you find something new and you give it to an expert on that group and you say, hey, look, I've discovered a new species. And then they think, oh, I'll name that after you. Oh, okay. So that's like, it's more modest that way. Yes. Because they technically chose it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you can, you can probably not going to find something new in your house, but you certainly could find something new in your yard. And it doesn't matter where you are. Um, that there's new stuff, new insects everywhere. Um, and especially if you're like, if you really want to get into the new, new and unexplored territory, work with mites because they're microscopic and most of those are unknown to science. Um, the word mites just like freaked me out at the thought because they sound itchy to work with. They do. How do you not like get mites? Most mites are soil living things or or parasites on other organisms. There's only mm. like a the tiny number of mites that are associated with people, like scabies mites and uh, the mites that live in your eyelashes and skin mites, you know, things like that. There's very few species that are associated with people. No one can um, see our face because this is a podcast, but as soon as you said mites that live in your eyelashes, I think both Andre and I both considered plucking out our eyelashes. We both like looked <laughs> off into the distance like, why is this happening? <laughs> Why is this my life? Right. I have little bucks in my eyeballs. They're too tiny to see and too tiny to feel. So oh, wait, you mean they're here already? Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, no. I thought you were saying, in theory. I thought you were saying, in theory, you could have eyelash mites. I did not realize I already had them, probably. Yeah, you, you got them pretty much like right after you were born. Oh, okay. Well, I guess if they've always been there, then... Oh, yeah, they have always been there. All those things. It's kind of nice, Deanna, if you think about it, like, you're never without a friend. Yeah. (laughs) Because they're always in your eyelashes and on your skin. I mean, it's like worrying about the bacteria that are living on your bodies. You can't worry about stuff like that. You can't. It's just... It's just part and parcel of being a living being i would like to transcend though i think being a living being is a lot and i'm not that i don't want to be alive but like i would like to be like a superhuman goddess who has no mites (laughs) that's that's a superpower i want i would like to be able to fly and have no mites Hmm. okay so uh dr yanaga have you uh successfully is there anyone else in your life that has been afraid of bugs that you have successfully um helped overcome this fear and what did they do i think just about all of my all of my family um are people who are just you know ordinary folks and thought bugs were terrible and i they saw that i was able to interact with them and and learn about them and be fine around them and i set a good example for them so i think just seeing that they're not something to be concerned about makes a big difference. I mean, if I read, if I see a bee hovering in the air and I grab it out of the air and show it to somebody, then they're like, oh, it's not stinging. I was like, nope, this is a male. It doesn't sting. You and can, they learn something and they learn not to be afraid of male bees because male bees don't sting. You can just and grab a bee out of if the it's air. it's a male, yeah. And you can tell by looking? Yeah. For Happy. like carpent, carpenter bees, carpenter bee males have yellow faces. 
So if you see a bee hovering in front of you and he's got a yellow face, it's just like, oh, hello. And you just oh. nab him. <laughs> and they're cute and fuzzy and you, you show them to people and everybody like, oh, they learn something. And they learn not to be afraid of them. Are bees generally 50-50 male and female? Most, yeah, most So, like, half of bees can't sting me? If you exclude honeybees, then yeah. Okay. Male honeybees Virtually all the honeybees that you will ever see are going to be female. Because honeybee drones don't live very long. And they fly, like, 150 feet off the ground. So, you don't see them very often. Hmm. Unless you send up an aerial balloon with a pheromone, then you can see clouds of them. (laughs) You know, wow. like you do. You just send up an aerial balloon with a pheromone. Mm-hmm. That's if what you're I, a bee I like. Bee researcher, you do. <laughs> so, um, what other kind of bees are? I, I think I'm really most familiar with honeybees. What other? Oh, kind everybody of bees? is. Yeah. Yeah. What other kind of bees are there? There's like twenty thousand other species of bees besides <gasps> honeybees, and most of them are solitary. They live in most of them live in holes in the ground or in twigs, um, and they don't live in colonies. Some some of them do live in colonies, but they're generally small colonies with you know a few dozen workers or something. But um, there's lots of them out there, and you know honeybees aren't even native to this hemisphere. If you live in the U.S., um, so you know they're not native things at all. We have some equivalents, but not honeybees per se. Oh, wow! Euro- are they European? Did I read that once? Um, they're. F- they mostly Southeast Asian. There's one species that gets over into Europe, and that's the one that people domesticated. Okay. Um, oh, I was semi-right. Okay, I'm taking that. I'm absolutely ready for Jeopardy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a couple of subspecies around in Europe. Um, so the most common one that people keep for beekeeping is the Italian subspecies. But there's also a German one, there's African ones, and there's you know a bunch of others from different islands and things. You wanted to know well, whether there's insects to be worried about. Africanized bees are actually a concern because um, it's it's the equivalent of the difference between a, like a husky and a wolf. They're really, really, really similar, but one of them is domesticated and the other one isn't. Um, the Africanized bees are basically the wild-type bees that don't have all of the aggressive traits bred out of them yet. So they're more defensive and they're more threatening and they're more aggressive when they attack. Um, so they're a bigger risk to people than the ordinary bees. So if you live in Southern California and you run into bees in the wild, they're almost all Africanized bees out in the wild here in California now. So they're they're a significant problem. I mean, if you remember in the 80s, they had all those movies and horrible shows on TV about the killer bees. They're here, they're established, and they haven't you know been the kind of thing that people expected based on those movies. But they're not fun to interact with. Uh, you don't want to run into a hive of Africanized bees if you can avoid it because they they will defend themselves and they'll be pretty aggressive about it. And you get stung a few hundred times even if you're not allergic uh-huh. that can do a number on your uh, on your on your system. So you don't want to do that. So basically if I run into a bee in the wild, my current strategy of freezing and not doing anything is like a solid strategy. No, 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 that's the worst thing to do. What do I do? You run away. Okay. Get away from the hive as far as you can, as fast as you can. You oh. gotta, you gotta run. Get okay. away. So, but that's just the hive. Like, if, if I you, see like if, a single bee, you don't have to worry about the single bee. They only, okay. they only exist to defend the hive, basically, in terms okay. of their, their behavior. So once you're out of their defensive radius, they will, leave, they will stop. They will not chase you anymore. They will leave you alone. You get away from them. 
Um, they'll release a pheromone when they sting, and that, that will attract other bees. So that's another reason you get away from the hive as far and fast as you can. And that's, that's how you reduce your risk. I mean, the good news is I don't think I've ever run into a hive in my life. So I feel like this is very rare, Deanna. Like, it's not going to happen to us. I also feel like, and this could be wrong, uh, I feel like I would hear it before I saw it, right? Because they're pretty loud if they're... Yeah, if you're near a hive, you can generally hear it. Um, And, you know, I run into them out in the field from time to time. Run into swarms. Swarms are not really dangerous because they're not in defensive mode. They've got nothing to defend. They're they're flying. They're looking for a place to set up shop. They're not. There's nothing that they've got. There's no brood. There's no pollen. There's no honey. They're not defending anything when they're in a swarm. So swarms are about as safe um, an interaction as you're going to have with honeybees. And those I see all the time. And you can hear them coming from a long way off. But yeah, if you're near a, if you're near an active hive, you will generally hear the the hum, <laughs> and that's you're getting too close. Then if you can hear them get away but basically the takeaway for for me and diana people who don't normally interact with bugs that much is like if you hear a lot of bees safest thing to do is to run away and if you see one bee it's really probably fine right yeah i mean you don't want it to sting you you don't want to you know swat it or anything like that Mm. just just leave it be leave it be i was just gonna say (laughs) leave it be okay i i read once uh, when I was trying, I tried to do some reading on bees to, you know, not be afraid of them because they are important to the environment. Um, I read that when bees are swarming, they're holding hands. When what? they rest for the evening, yeah, they make like a little <laughs> bivouac. They'll 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 latch together. That sounds I mean, adorable. That's so cute. <laughs> well, bees have their moments. <laughs> <laughs> little bees and they're snuggling and they're holding. I mean, we think that otters are cute when they hold hands when they sleep. Bees can be cute, yes. run away from the hive. (laughs) I want to ask about spiders. Most people do. (laughs) Oh, man, I got so many questions about that stuff. Well, spiders really freak me out. What, do I have any license to be freaked out about spiders, or are they mostly fine? Um, they really are mostly fine. Um, but there's something in human nature, I think it's pretty much well established that it's ingrained. Um, there's just a visceral reaction that you're going to have whether you know in your brain that spiders are fine or not. And I mean, one of my colleagues, who's pretty much literally one of the world's leading authorities on spiders, Rick Vetter, he did a little survey. He talked to entomologists, and he said, are you afraid of spiders? And a lot of them said yes. So and like these, are, even these are people who spend their who... careers studying things like that, and mo- a lot of them are still afraid of spiders. And, you know, I can give myself as an example. If I'm in the field, which I do all the time, and I feel something crawling on me, which I feel all the time, I don't freak out. If I look at it and it's a normal insect or something like that, I don't, you know, nothing happens. If I look at it and it's a jumping spider, which are really cute. Jumping spiders are so adorable. I look at it and it's like, oh, it's a jumping spider. Oh, that's great. If it's not, if it's a spider, like the, the spindly type with the with the orb webs and stuff, I go, <laughs> and shake it off of me. And I just can't fight that off. I mean, it's just a visceral thing. What what makes a jumping spider cute? They're, they're big eyes and they're fuzzy. Aww. Oh, just just Google jumping spiders. They're adorable. They're, they're, they're as, as warm and cuddly and fluffy as a spider gets. <laughs> they're great. 
<laughs> and they, they are the way they tilt their heads and look at you. Oh, they're just they're just spectacular. Aww. The peacock spiders. You watch the mating dance of the peacock spiders. That's like some of the greatest nature video you'll ever see. That sounds really cute. You are making spiders sound pretty adorable right now. Aside some from of them the fact are. that you find them mostly fifty percent scary, also. Mm-hmm. It, it, you can't you can't fight that that gut reaction sometimes, and you you know you can't be expected to rationalize to the point where they cease to be scary. The question is. Are you going to let your rational mind make you worry about spiders? How you react to them, like when you encounter a spider and go, bleh, that's fine. But if you're worried about spiders, then this, that's not, not something you should be doing. They're not something to really worry about. Are there any spiders that I should be like, if I see that spider run away, or like spiders that, that are, are killer spiders, or mostly I'm fine? This You're going to think that this is not accurate, but... I spent, actually, when I knew that we was going to be having a, an interview like this, I, I made sure of my facts. I mean, that's what I do. I'm a scientist. <laughs> I did research. And there really is no research and, and scientific evidence or medical evidence to support the idea that there are any spider bites that are legitimately life-threatening at this point in time. Wow. The few, the few oh. really dangerous venoms out there, they have anti-venom for. So, like, in, in Australia, where they have the... Uh, Redback spider and the Sydney funnel web. Those are two of, arguably, two of the world's most dangerous spiders. Mm -hmm. Neither of those spiders has had more than one fatality recorded in the last 50 years. Oh, wow. So the world's two most dangerous spiders have killed one person each in the last 50 years. That's not something that people really need to worry about. Yeah. So basically, all spiders I can be chill about, except if I'm in Australia, I should maybe go to the hospital if I get bit by one. Well, all right. (laughs) I have to qualify what I said. They are not life-threatening, but that's not to say that, you know, spider bites can't be dangerous or medically significant. Um, You don't generally want to get bitten by a spider if you can avoid it. And they will not go out of their way to bite you. That's that's an important thing. Spiders have no business messing around with you. I mean, there aren't any spiders that feed on mammal blood, so hmm. if they bite, it's only in self-defense. They don't go out of their way to, to bite people. But, you know, you can have medical complications and things like that. You just, you know, it's not a good idea. It's not pleasant. Some of the bites are painful. Some of them can be disfiguring. You don't want to get into that if you can avoid it, but they're not life-threatening. There's no evidence for that. Okay. Yeah. So you might you might still want to get the to a doctor if you get a spider bite, but if you know, if you have the spider that bit you and know that it's the thing that caused it, that's the problem. See, that's one of the things. That doing the research, it's, you get all sorts of mixed up statistics, and it's because there's reported spider bites and there are confirmed spider bites, and they're very different things. A okay. lot of people report spider bites that aren't spider bites at all. They wake up, there's a red mark on their leg, and it's like, oh my god, I've been bitten by a spider. It's like, no, <laughs> you haven't. <laughs> is there um, the unconfirmed spider bites, is there uh, an explanation what, for what they generally are? Um, it ranges all over the map, but yeah, there is there is good medical studies. Um, like I said, my, my colleague Rick Vetter has published a number of papers on this sort of thing. And some of the things that have been mistaken for spider bites are pretty serious medical conditions, like uh, methicillin-resistant staphylococcus, MRSA. There's people who have died 
of MRSA infections that got misdiagnosed as spider bites. And that's exactly the opposite problem from what you would think. It's, it's more risky to think it's a spider bite than it is to think that it's uh, an infection. So doctors should diagnose these things as infections. So MRSA, um, pyoderma gangrenosum is, a, is another medical condition that's very that nasty gangrene? and has been, yeah, has been diagnosed as spider bites in the past. You don't want to get a misdiagnosis like that. I can definitely see myself rolling into the hospital with like a red mark on my leg being like, I know this is not a spider bite, so don't even mess with me. We're going to go straight to something else here, buddy. Gangrene is pretty nasty. It's wild to think that people have misdiagnosed gangrene. Yep. And that's that's not a good thing. So doctors really need to be trained in how to how to how to fight that urge to call something a spider bite and how to how to talk patients down from thinking that something that they've got must be a spider bite. I mean, That's anything that know. breaks your skin can give you an infection. One of the things that I found out doing the research for this is it turns out that you are more likely to die from a bite from a house cat than you are to die from a bite from a spider. And wow. people still think house cats are great to have around. And they are. They're cute and fuzzy and adorable, but you don't want to get bitten by them. Yeah, Deanna, you have a cat. So oh, yeah, no, I've read about house cats, especially because they have those long teeth and it just, they're saying the bacteria just goes into the wound and it's hard to clean out. Right. A cat Oof. bite is more dangerous than a spider bite. Well, so. and yet I'm not afraid Don't of say them. I have a cat. Just say I had at this point, because after this, I'm going to pack her a bag and put her <laughs> resume up on LinkedIn and get rid of her. <laughs> You guys, I am so excited to tell you that this episode is brought to you by my friends at The Sketch School. Have you always been curious about writing sketch comedy? Have you written sketch comedy but want to learn more? Take a free sample workshop right now at The Sketch School. The Sketch School offers fun, high-quality comedy writing workshops accessible from anywhere in the world on Zoom. With expert instructors who've written for SNL, Key and Peele, The Tonight Show, Bojack Horseman, and more. Register for your free sampler workshop now at thesketchschool.com. And a special offer for Tell Me I'm Okay listeners, 10% off any workshop you purchase using the coupon code OK. That's the letters OK. Yay! I I have maybe a, a silly question that I think about a lot, though, when I have bugs in my house and I want to I wanna kill them uh, or let get them out of my life in whatever way. Do they, um, they don't have feelings, do they? Do they have feelings? As far as we can tell... There aren't any arthropods that have any sort of emotions or anything like that. They seem to be Ooh. pretty much devoid of that. Mollusks, I wouldn't be so sure of. I think that octopi, like squid and cuttlefish, might have emotions. But insects, there's no sign that they do. So when I'm standing there next to my fly trap, squishing the flies next to each other over and over again, they're not like looking at this being like, oh, my father just died, and now I too shall succumb to the crusher. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Oh, that makes me feel I think you're good. Can we talk a little bit about the the difference between uh, self defense uh, and emotions? Like, where is is that two different things scientifically? You mean on yourself? No, I mean be- because we were saying because like we were you're saying killing like a, a bee in self defense. No, like, the- like like a like a spider will bite you out of self defense, but not necessarily. Um, you it'll know. B- it'll bite anything that's that's pinning it down. It doesn't matter whether it's a finger or a twig or a bird or whatever. It it if it's if any if an insect or arthropod finds itself trapped, it will try to escape, and it will use every tool at its disposal to get free. And it's very tiny, so it has very few tools, and mm-hmm. it's mostly teeth. Yeah, 
That's or a it. stinger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not like it's not feeling afraid when it doesn't necessarily. It's more like a a, a like a instinct reaction as opposed yeah, to like it's, it's feeling it's been pinned and immobilized and it's trying to get loose. Mm. Okay. Um, what are some insects that you have had some preconceived notions about that um, through your research you've really changed those ideas? It's mostly just the general thing about insects. I mean, you just find out how cool they are and how, <laughs> how generally harmless they are, and you stop worrying about things like that. I mean, I'm in the field. I don't worry about the insects that I'm running into. I worry about things like rattlesnakes, which is a sensible thing to worry about when you're in the field. Or mountain lions or grizzly bears. Those are sensible things to worry about. Uh, but I don't worry about the bugs. Do you have a favorite bug? Oh. Not really. I mean, I, I work on so many things. Um, you know, it's, I can't pick a favorite. They're all cool. <laughs> They're all I mean, cool. I, there is a, one bee species I did my PhD research on, and every time I see a photograph of one, I get all warm and fuzzy about it. But, you know, that's, that's just familiarity. I spent years with those bees, so I know them so well. Those bees were like your college buddies, in other words. Mm-hmm. And I, they stung me hundreds and hundreds <laughs> and hundreds of times, but I still forgave them. And you live to tell the tale. Yes. I think I can almost see bees. Like, I think the next time I see a bee, a bee or whatever, I think I'm going to think of you, Dr. Yunaga, and be like, <laughs> oh, he loves bees so much. There are people out there who love bees so much, and I can respect that level of love, even if I can't necessarily conjure it in myself. I feel very, you've, you've made me feel very good about good. my reaction to bugs, which is I generally leave them alone. Yeah. <laughs> and when I need to, I run away. So I'm just going to tell people, I'm, I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm right where I need to be. Yeah. I think that seems really reasonable. And like, I think, I think the other good thing to remember is like, I think what I've gotten from this conversation is like, leave them alone. Don't let them also don't let them take up a lot of space in your brain. Like you don't have to worry about them. Yeah. If you're going to worry about things, worry, it's people tend to get things completely out of proportion. Worrying about spiders is completely out of proportion. If you're going to worry about things, worry about things like mosquitoes, which transmit diseases. In fact, that's like the most deadly animal on the planet in, in a general category sense, is mosquitoes. That's over 700,000 people a year die from mosquito-transmitted diseases. So worrying about mosquitoes, that would make sense. But people don't worry about mosquitoes the way they worry about spiders, and it's, they got it backwards. I mean, if, if you, you don't run away from mosquitoes, you wear repellents, you, you, know, you figure out yeah. you know, the right kind of clothing, you do, you do things that avoid exposure to them. Um, and that's sensible, and that re- that reduces your risk of, of being killed by diseases. That's a good thing to do. I think everyone who lives in a pandemic-era world understands that diseases are bad, and you want to reduce <laughs> the li- likelihood of having them transmitted to you. Um, and that's that means avoiding mosquitoes. They're they're the if you're going to worry, they're the thing to worry about. That's the, that's what I normally ask at the end is like, what is the thing that you're afraid of? So for you, would you say it's mosquitoes? Out of out of the arthropod kingdom, yes, those are the things. Okay. You know, I I was once in a cave in Brazil, and there was a blood sucking fly feeding on my arm in the dark. The cave was full of vampire bats, and they didn't worry me at all. They were, like, flying in my face. I could feel the wind from the wings of the vampire bats, and that didn't worry me in the slightest. When I felt this fly biting my arm, I started to freak out because I know that those flies transmit leishmaniasis, which is this horrible protozoan disease that rots your flesh. That worried me. 
The bats were fine. The bug biting me was like, oh my god, I hope I don't get leishmaniasis. So you got it. That seems like a good reason to me, for me personally, to never go into like a a cave in a foreign country if I don't need to. Yeah, that's a that's a nasty disease. You want to avoid that, and that's it. By getting a lot of information, you know what the risks are and you know how to avoid them. And that's that's the kind of thing that that's people don't generally do. They don't do the research. They don't do the figures. They just react with their guts. And you can't blame people for, for reacting with their guts. But, you know, getting some education is also very helpful. Dr. Yanaga, if you're ever in an interview and they ask you that strengths and weaknesses question, you can feel free to say that your ability to put things into stark perspective is definitely <laughs> one of your strengths. Thank you. Well, Diana, do you have any last questions? Uh, no, actually, this has been very helpful. Thank you so much. You it's been really welcome. wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Yanaga. I really appreciate your wisdom and your expertise and also just like the sweet and gentle way you discuss bugs. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much. Awesome. I, I think I learned a lot there. I, I, learned I learned so much. Primarily, I learned that like the best thing I can do is, is run, run away from a bug. If mm-hmm. I'm scared of it, mm-hmm. not yeah. <laughs> that it's okay to run away. And I'm, I'm, it's, it's for the best. You know what? I, that's what I learned too. And it's, it's, uh, it makes me feel better because it is definitely my instinct, but also it makes me feel good that, uh, basically the insect is not going to follow, is not going to follow me. Yes. It's, it's, it doesn't really want to hurt me. And if I run away, that's the end of the interaction. Yes. And also I don't have to like, let it, I don't, you know, a lot of times for me, my anxiety is about like, what do I have to let sit in my brain and what can I just let go of? And it sounds like I can just let go of this one. Also, I liked that uh, he said that you don't have to allow bugs in your house. Like I always kind yes. of felt like if I see a spider, I really want to, I, I want it not in my house. That's all I want. I don't need it to be dead. I just want it not in my house. Yes. And that's okay. That's fine. It sounds like it's better. It sounds yeah. like we can just do, it's our house. It's my house, Mr. Bug. Well, and also another thing that was interesting was he was saying like, you know, some bugs uh, feed on mold and mildew. Mm -hmm. And uh, it seems like if you have a lot of bugs of a certain type, that could actually tell you about things that you need to take care of. So I'm like, this is great. This is kind of like having a sensor or an alarm. Yeah. Oh, like a little natural alarm. That's kind of nice. Nature's alarm. Mm -hmm. Nature's alarm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> awesome. Well, Diana, thank you so much for being here. Um, what, where can people find you on social media and find your awesome podcast, Periodic Talks? Uh, you can find Periodic Talks uh, wherever you get your podcast uh, or through Stitcher Media. Um, and you can find me uh, on Instagram at, at Diana Reasonover. That's my name. Good luck spelling it. I'm not going to help you. <laughs> I'll put it in the notes. Uh, but it's also, I honestly think it's easy to spell because it's just like what it sounds like. Eh, that's debatable but thank you i appreciate it <laughs> maybe it's because i met you and i saw the spelling of your name around the same time so like yeah I think, it all I think gelled so. in my brain yeah that's it <laughs> <laughs> awesome thank you so much thank you okay we did it i'd say bugs bug me a little less <laughs> this podcast was produced by mervin Deganos, lucas whipple yes my brother and me andra whipple Music by my parents, Gail and Tim Whipple. They make jingles and also goofy, scared babies like me. Sing us out, Mom and Dad. Please won't someone tell me I'm okay.
That was <laughs> okay, here we go. Take 20. I, I like the word bugs because I think it sounds way funnier than arthropods. Mm-hmm. Uh, bug. bug. Sounds so tired. <laughs> that mm-hmm, was so tired. <laughs> <laughs> but there's you don't really prefer the term bugs, right? Uh, you want me to be honest? I get it and I can use it and I can, you know, have a conversation, but I don't like the term because it's way too overused and too generalized. I mean, there are people who will call things like snails, bugs, and slugs and things like that. They're not even arthropods. I mean, man, it's just, it's just painful. It's like calling whales fish. Nobody likes it if they, if they know what they're talking about. So, so, so yeah. what term do you prefer? Like if, if it was up to you, what would we all call bugs instead? You want my honest opinion. If you want to use a good colloquial term, I like critter. Okay. Critter. Because <laughs> critter is, is non-taxonomic in, in its scope. It doesn't define which group of organisms you're talking about. Basically, okay. it's just something that's small. It's a small <laughs> animal. It's a critter. It's a critter. It's a little critter. <laughs> right. I, it's, a, it's very generic and it's, it doesn't, it's not really judgmental critter is, is is pretty pretty good actually all right i mean critter has some love in it you know critter is like oh this little critter yeah exactly hey friends did you know you can find our show on social media you can follow us on twitter at tmiok podcast and you can find show notes for this and all our episodes at tellmeimok.com thanks for your support if you like the show please share it with your friends or your enemies really whoever because the more listeners we have the more great guests we can get to keep making episodes thank you so much you're the best